we've been talking together about the promise. And that idea is leading us through the Advent season. What, what we find out is that Christmas is about Jesus being born. We understand that. Advent is more about the promises that led up to his birth. Advent helps us to look back and hear some of the prophets of old telling us that he was coming. And one of the reasons that that's important to us is because now we know that he's going to come again someday. And just like he kept his promises the first time, he'll keep his promises the next time as well. Advent is a way for us to look at the promises. And as we consider Christ as the fulfillment of the promise of God, we get to do so with the four themes. And each week we're looking at a different theme. And we're looking at different people in the Christmas story that help us understand, get a good grasp on that theme. So this morning, we're going to look at joy to the world, and we're going to think together about John the Baptist and his family. We call him John the Baptist, really, given, given the fact that we have a whole denomination called Baptist today, I think for clarification, it would probably be better for us to call him John the Baptizer. That's actually the way it would have, the, the way the people who read the original Greek, that's the way they would have heard it and thought of it. Not that he is a Baptist like a denomination, but he's the guy who baptizes people. And there's a reason for him baptizing people. John's purpose in coming was that he would prepare the way for Messiah. He was going to get people to... Uh, to kind of leave the old life behind, to have a baptism that represented repentance, and to start once again looking for God's promises to be fulfilled. He was calling out to folks who had just kind of gotten into their normal everyday routine and, and really had, uh, had not really paid much attention to God. Remember, God had not spoken to people for 400 years, no prophecies. Nothing from God for 400 years. Over that time, people wandered away and they, they kind of got into their routine a lot like folks we know today. And so John was calling those people, hey, wake up, folks, because Messiah is about to show up and you want to be ready. That was his goal. That was his purpose. And what's amazing is that not only was Jesus coming promised, but John's appearance was also promised. In uh, Isaiah chapter 40, the prophet says, a voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. It, it, it's just saying that, that before Messiah comes, there's going to be somebody who's going to prepare the way. You're going to knock down the hills and raise up the valleys. He's going to, that's, that's you know, figurative language saying that he's going to get things ready for Messiah to come. 
He continues then into verse 5, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The promise in Isaiah 40 is that somebody's coming to prepare the way for Messiah. And we find that somebody was indeed John the baptizer. If we look in the book of Luke, chapter 1, I want to show you a few verses through this chapter. We're just going to kind of uh, jump over two or, three, two or three different passages in this one chapter uh, so that I can give you a summary of it. And I want to start in, uh, in verse 13. If you're with me in Luke chapter 1, verse 13. Now, Zechariah was, uh, he was a priest, and in that day, they kind of took turns being, being a leader of the priests, and he was one of those that had a leadership role. He's in the temple. Uh, things, are, things are going tremendously well, and however, um, something shocks him. In verse 11, an angel appears. In verse 12, Zechariah was, was shocked and troubled, and then look at verse 13. The angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been answered. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. There was a promise. Isaiah said, there's going to be somebody who shows up to prepare the way for Messiah. And then that promise was repeated by the angel to Zechariah. Zechariah, not only is somebody coming, it's going to be your somebody. You're going to have a son who's going to be the one to lay the groundwork, if you will, for Messiah to arrive. There was a promise made. And then, sure enough, John the baptizer is born. And as we, as we look at verses 41 through 45, we find Christmas joy. Look with me at Christmas joy beginning in verse 41 as we get to celebrate together. Verse 41, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. Now remember who Elizabeth is? That's Zechariah's wife. She is now carrying John, who will be the baptizer. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Mary, who has now uh, had her own angelic visitation, and now the Holy Spirit has brought the Christ child to her, and she is carrying Jesus. She shows up to see her cousin Elizabeth. And the Bible says that all Mary had to do was walk in and say hello. And immediately, Elizabeth says that the baby leaped in her womb. Continuing in verse 41, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is this granted to me that the mother of the Lord should come to me? 
For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Mary, blessed are you because you believed the promise. And this is so real, Mary. All you had to do was walk in carrying that Christ child and the baby inside of my womb that's going to lay the groundwork, going to prepare the way. He started leaping with joy. And folks, it, even before Christmas was Christmas, joy was attached to Christ's coming. There is a reason that we rejoice. It, it's, it's beyond the parties and the great food and the gifts and the snow plows. It's, it's an awesome experience that God himself so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so we're filled with joy. Christmas is an experience of, of expressing that joy. My goodness, how great our God must be. And how much he must love us. And Elizabeth says, I, I don't know why he picked me to even be in the room right now when you walked in. Have we, have we lost some of that awe? Would we say at Christmas, I'm not even worthy to be in the room when Jesus shows up. But boy, I sure am glad that I got to be here. There's a joy that comes in Christmas that we can often overlook, that we can often neglect because we're too caught up in the happiness of Christmas. Does that make sense? It makes us happy when we get to do the traditional things of Christmas. Beautiful lights over here south of town, they make us happy. The carols make us happy. You know, the good food makes us happy. Hallmark movies make some of y'all happy. It's just, <laughs> I love you, baby. It's, um, but sometimes I think we get so caught up in the happy that maybe we miss the joy that comes from just the overwhelming experience of being allowed to be in the room when Jesus shows up. It's great joy in Christmas. But why? Why is Christmas to be merry? Why is there to be joy? Why do we rejoice at Christmas? And I want to really stress that question because the kids did such a beautiful job of reminding us. And you know, the reason we rejoice is because Jesus was born. Don't throw me out, but let me ask you, so what? Why does it make us rejoice the fact that a carpenter and his wife had a baby? So what? You see, the reason that we rejoice is not just that he was born. The reason we rejoice is because he was born in order to introduce the kingdom of God 
to die on the cross for our sins, to gloriously come back to life that we might have victory over death, sin, and hell. The reason we rejoice for his birth is because it led to his life, his death, and his resurrection. Don't don't minimize the gospel of Jesus Christ at Christmas. I recently read a blog post that captured my attention all week long. I read it like Monday, and I've been, it's just been speaking to me all week long. And the blogger spoke about seasonal amnesia. And he said, at Easter, all we can think about is the resurrection. At Christmas, all we can think about is the birth. We have seasonal amnesia. And he said, don't forget, the birth doesn't make a whole lot of difference except for the fact that by being born, he then could die and come back to life. There is the reason we rejoice. And we even heard it the night that the angels talked to the shepherds that night that Jesus was born in Luke chapter 2 at verse 10. We looked at it recently, but let me remind you, the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a baby. No. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior. That's why his birth brings joy, because he is the savior. He's the one who died to pay the penalty for our sin. That is indeed good news of great joy, that the one who who is born in the city of David is the savior, Christ the Lord. You see, that night that he was born and they laid him in that manger, there was cast over that manger a shadow, and it was the shadow of the cross. Jesus walked under that shadow his whole life. Everything he did, all that he was, was headed to Calvary. We rejoice, not just because a baby was born, but we rejoice because the Savior has come. 1 Peter chapter 1 says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him, and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, which is what? The salvation of your souls. What is the outcome of your faith? Celebrating that a kid was born? The outcome of your faith is the salvation of your souls. That's why we rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. And then I want us to see that joy is found in the Lord. That's where we find real joy. As soon as Elizabeth says the 
the baby in my womb jumped because of joy, because he knew that he was in the presence of the Christ. Well, they start rejoicing together, and Mary actually sings a song. Traditionally, we've called it the Magnificat, which is from the Latin word that, that is part of the first phrase. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord, the Magnificat. And as she sings this song, listen to the first few verses. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She says, the reason I celebrate, the reason my soul magnifies, my spirit rejoices in the fact that I'm going to have a baby. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She's rejoicing, not just that another baby was born, but she's rejoicing that the Savior is coming and she gets to be a part of it. Continue her song at verse 49. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. And then look at 50. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Because the Savior has come, his mercy is now available to all who fear him from generation to generation to generation to you. That's the good news of Christmas. That's the, the joy of Christmas that his mercy is available even to you. You say, well, I don't deserve it. That's kind of the whole point. None of us do. A gift of mercy, of life, of love, it is available. Mary said it from the very beginning. Because he is born, it sets the stage for God's mercy to be available to all. So Philippians 4 instructs us, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, for those of you in the back, I say rejoice. We have reason to rejoice because the Savior has come.